Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello, everybody. Uh, sorry, just tweeting out that we're live. Hey. Uh, I'm Brian Emhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and the Seahawks 2021 season is now over. They finished the season seven and ten, and they do it in pretty convincing fashion, uh, beating what was once the NFC West leading Arizona Cardinals, and now is going to finish in second place, 38 to 30 on their home field. And um, I don't know, guys, I'll, I'll pull all you in in a second here. A couple things here. First, just off, off the jump, um, if this is the last game for, for Russell Wilson, first place that he played as, a, as an NFL player, a uh, place where he had a, you know, a Super Bowl memory we'd all wish we didn't have, um, Man, he put it all out there today. Like, there were definitely some plays that were frustrating, but I loved, loved watching him on the goal line um, for what ended up being, I think, the, the winning score, uh, putting his body on the line um, and just how fired up he was. Like, I love that. I love that version of Russell. I honestly wish we got to see it a little bit more often where he is just like lifting people up with how pumped he is and how like fiery, like we don't get to see fiery Russell Wilson that often. And 
Um, he played like a guy that that cares passionately about this team, about the city, about the the, the players he plays with, which I think we know is all true. And um, I just was really really proud of the way he played um, and happy for him that he was able to have that game, especially considering that he had two some really bad plays early on in that game. Um, similarly, if this ends up being the last game of Pete Carroll's career, um, I could not be more impressed. I mean, it is a, in some ways a would be a perfect end to his tenure here in a game that really didn't mean anything for him to be able to get his players to play with that kind of energy and emotion. Um, you know, Al Woods is out, Jamal Adams is out, uh, Ryan Neal is out, like Bobby Wagner's out. Like there's a lot of guys and, and I just three just uh, gave everything. Um, and uh, so anyway, I hope it's not either of their last games. Um, I know some folks might feel differently, but um, it was fun to watch them together. Uh, if it is the last time, watch them together again and see them do it in a winning fashion. Last thing I'll just say before pulling the guys in and getting their reactions to the game. Um, you know, it's all cliche at this point, but man, I am praying for Quandre. Uh, I really hope that we find out it's not as bad as it seemed to be. It was, man, talk about it. Just huge bummer. Um, this guy has played his heart out since he came to Seattle. He's been a team leader. He was a team leader in Detroit. When he left Detroit through a trade, his teammates were distraught. They couldn't believe that, the, that this guy got traded. Seattle was lucky to get him. He's made play after play. He's put his body on the line. He went into this season without a contract past this year. He made it all the way to the 17th game, playing a Pro Bowl quality season and almost to the end of this game and uh, gets hurt. I mean, it's, that really, really sucked. And you could see how much he knew what was going on. So let's just hope that maybe it turns out that it's not as terrible of an injury as it initially seemed. But um, that was that was definitely the, the biggest somber note for me. Um, and I'm sure for a lot of other Seahawks fans. So with that, let me bring the fellas in. Uh, we've got Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter. We have got Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB and Jeff Simmons at real Jeff Simmons, who is uh, in the car, thankfully joining us. Um, and since you're joining in the car, Jeff, I'm going to let you start us off here. Uh, you know, that's, that's above and beyond um, joining the post game for that. So what are your, what was your reaction to this game to this win? Um, I can't help just but wonder what if watching these last two weeks and in the end, when the Rams losing, that was a really meaningful game for the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals would have won the division had they won the game today with the Rams lost. So it's for all the people who said last week, like Detroit, it was a team that didn't matter. That game was really important. And if you take away like the Gerald Everett drop and some of the, the turnovers Russell had, that game could have been really one-sided. So like just watching the Seahawks play the last two weeks where you saw what happens to the offense when they have a good passing game and a good running game and the defense is playing pretty admirably considering who's out. So yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the day, it seemed like things were trending towards kind of Russell possibly staying and Pete leaving and Schneider's futures are pretty unclear, but I can't 
people wonder what Jody Allen is thinking again after this game. And stock in that, but seeing Russell, who looks healthy now, and seeing what he is, and seeing what Russell looks like with the running game and the deep game going, and when the defense is functional, they look they look a lot better than some of these NFC teams going in the playoffs. So I just can't help but wonder what could have been if Russell was healthy, if the offense came together earlier. Good for the second week in a row. Yeah, um, Evan, as the originator of the post-game show and as a longtime Pete Carroll defender and Russell Wilson hater, how did you feel about this game? Uh, no, honestly, seriously, what, 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 I mean, you, you, I know you've got, I know you've got things you want to see happen with this team and things you've been frustrated about. When you watch a game like this, like, what goes through your mind? What are you thinking about? Yeah, this game... <sighs> had me feeling all the emotions guys. Um, we've had tons of debates about what we want to have, have happen, what we expect to happen, but this game was just a reminder of, I think what Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, John Schneider have been able to accomplish over the past decade, the, the, the world of emotions that they're able to put us through. Um, and honestly, it was, it was a good reminder for me, just how good they can be when they're all firing on all cylinders and, and how emotional Pete Carroll football teams can make me feel like um, sometimes I think potentially I uh, underestimate that, that impact of uh, a strong culture and, you know, a strong culture leader builder in Pete Carroll and, and what that impact has on the players. I mean, we, we look back to the Quandre Dix injury and we have guys literally bawling their eyes out on the field um, because one of their brothers, you know, just got seriously injured. Rashad Penny, his emergence in the last four or five weeks, you know, in the last year of his rookie deal, it's almost poetic. Um, that was a player they were so excited about and obviously drafted a couple rounds earlier than expected. Um, I don't know what's going to happen guys, but this team if this is the end, I guess I'm just grateful. Um, but my, my heart, I'm going to say something. My heart is softening towards the run it back, folks. That's real, I, dude. I, I want change. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I want change. But if they choose to run it back, I think I'll be okay with it. Yeah, well, I, I we know that your 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 moods, you know, you are uh, mercurial, as they say, Evan. So we, we know that 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 uh, it changes it from time to time. But I think that's real. I think it's real. I, I mean, I think if any of us said that we felt one way about this the whole time, I don't even think Nathan's felt the whole way about it the whole time. I mean, and Nathan's pretty steady Eddie. So well, what's frustrating is like today's a good example of what successful Pete Carroll football looks like. And it, and when, when it's firing on all cylinders, it looks amazing. And it's incredible to watch. It just, it's, but like Jeff said, there's an element of frustration because it's like, they've been so inconsistent at doing this. You know what I mean? Like when was the last yeah. time you could remember the offense firing on all cylinders and the defense playing well, was it week one? That was probably it. So yeah, I mean, there's tons of debates we can have, but um, 
today was a good reminder of just how good they can be. Okay, let me bring in Nathan. Nathan, you've waited your turn and and with the same backdrop, knowing that could be the last game for one or two or three these big three guys. Um, what was what was what was going through your mind as you were watching that? What's your reaction to the game? I mean, I I don't have really big takeaways from this. Uh, it was really nice to have a couple of weeks of fun football again. I mean, this has been just a shit show of a season uh, for so many reasons, and so to for them to just give us two you know blowout wins. This one this one's not going to look like a blowout maybe in the final score, but it, it really was, especially when you consider you know, some of the mistakes and how badly Seattle shot themselves in the foot a couple times in this game. So, you know, that was my big takeaway is it was just nice to have fun football. Uh, um, you know, I, I don't think I've, I don't know, maybe I have swayed a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but that's, I, I think that's bad. I think that we should not be, you know, if, if you change your mind on what you think the future of this franchise should be based on today or even the last two weeks, I think that's probably a big mistake. Um, but, you know, it's 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 really nice. Even with Russ having a couple just real boneheaded plays, um, it was awesome to see him, you know, looking like what we've... I think, you know, he looked pretty close to 2020, uh, you know, early 2020 Russ the last couple of weeks. And that's been awesome. The line's playing unbelievable. So there are some things that you can look at and say, hey, you know, especially if you're part of the roll it back, uh, run it back crew, you know, uh, you know, there's definitely things positives to take away from that game. Guys, without looking, do you, does anyone know how many times Russell Wilson was sacked in that game? Zero. At least one. Well, the strip sack counts as one. Well, the first play, the, the first series, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so one. Your guess, his guess is one. Is that what? I think so. Out? There was there was another one later, wasn't there? I think it was two. Yeah. So it was actually one. Okay. Was sacked one time. Second play of the game. That's amazing. Um, we've seen that now, I think over the last three, four games, I'm going to pull it up, but I think he's had uh, these crazy games where he's had like zero sacks. Um, let's see. One sack, one sack, two sacks against Chicago. He did get sacked three times against the Rams, zero sacks against Houston. But like, I think his sack rate, I mean, in the last five games is among the lowest of his career. Like it's the line, I think to your point, Nathan is been doing a damn good job. I thought even the sack he took today, <laughs> he didn't need to take. It was supposed to be a three strip drop and he saw the rusher coming. I don't know why he didn't just throw it, <laughs> whatever. But um, yeah, I'm curious, like, I don't know about you guys. Part of the reason I just I've had a trouble believing in the Cardinals, even when they've had some of these big fast starts. Kyler Murray gets all this MVP buzz and he looks like a jitterbug, you know, sometimes out there. But he just he doesn't seem like the guy. Like, did you guys? I mean, I well, we almost spent a ton of time talking about the Cardinals, but I did, I thought that was a pretty unimpressive game from Kyler Murray. Uh, and I'm wondering, like. I mean, AJ Green had didn't have a great game either, but he just—I thought Russ looked like a much better quarterback today. Did anyone feel differently, or did anyone have a point of view about what they saw from uh, from Kyler? 
he was a little all over the place. I mean, he had some, I, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see some of the all 22 because like I felt a lot of his sacks were coverage sacks, at least, you know, he had time on those plays, right? That, that was not quick arriving pressure in at least a few of those cases. Um, but then, you know, I also thought that AJ Green looked pretty washed. Um, you know, Zach Ertz is maybe the best receiver they have right now, uh, which is pretty sad considering how much they've invested at that spot. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't think uh, he had some great plays. You know, that ball he dropped into Christian Kirk was amazing. Um, but then, yeah, like he also just, I wasn't too scared, you know, at the end of that game that they, he was going to mount some kind of incredible comeback. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think my opinion of him, I think he's shown a ceiling so far and I haven't seen him eclipse it, whether he's got Hopkins or not. Um, so I don't know. I'll be curious how things go with the Cardinals. And um, let's talk a little bit about Rashad Penny. Holy shit, guys. I, guys, my brain cannot process this. What is going on? <sighs> like, as good as was- he's been, though, like, do you have confidence that he can be healthy for a full year? No. No. I guess no, do we I'm need to you. have confidence? I, I, I guess with Carson still under contract, you know what I mean? Like, could they throw him a couple million bones and that's not going to get him signed though? Now like, you don't think so? You cannot have the the run that he's had. When, okay, when I say a couple million, I mean like four to five million a year. Oof, yeah, that's more than a couple. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. it is. <laughs> Sounds Jeff, like go ahead. You know, you know in the movie Space Jam when, like, the aliens steal the powers from someone else? Yeah, I totally know it that feels movie. like Penny, like, stole Adrian Peterson's powers and just, like, turned into Adrian Peterson. Because it's, it's been really fun to watch him. He's been probably the, one of the most exciting. He's probably been the best running back in the league the last five weeks. But, well, like Evan said, I, I would be very nervous paying him the kind of money that he's probably earned in this last month. I, I don't know if he could do this, but I think to Nathan's overall point, I see a lot of productive play from the offensive line. I really like that right tackle. I, I don't know how to pronounce this. Curran? Curran, Curran, yeah. Curran. I think he's been a really good run-blocking right tackle. I think the guards have played very well. And again, back to the what-if point, how much time did we waste this year on Kyle Fuller? And now that the line has kind of been stabilized, it's just – it's just, it's just frustrating because he's been – Penny's been as good as any back in the league. And like you just said in your last point, Brian, if Seattle and Arizona were going into the playoffs next week, I think Seattle could crush them. And Arizona's the five seed now. And it's just it's, – it's almost frustrating because – Well, and they, they with, could – you tell me they couldn't beat the Niners, who they beat twice already this year when they weren't playing well, and they couldn't beat, you know, who's the seventh seed? The Eagles. The Eagles? You know, yeah. they could be, like, I mean, yeah, like, f- by the way, guys, Rashad Penny in his last five games, five games, 671 yards. <laughs> I mean, that is insane. I mean, if you divide that 167.8 yards per game times 17, that would be 2,800 2,851 yards. He has been outperforming Aaron Rodgers 
on EPA per play for the last like four Crazy. Or five and you know and what? Rodgers hasn't been playing bad. Rodgers hasn't been playing bad. You know what? Like credit Shane Waldron as a guy that's like been so done with Shane Waldron. I think one of the things that's happened is he's finally learned that it's okay to run the ball. I'm sure Nathan's like going to throw up in, in his mouth a little if he hasn't already, but I felt like there were so many times where the run game would show something and then you just wouldn't see it. And, and like, it would be Rashad would take a couple big plays and then he'd be on the sideline. They wouldn't come back to him. Like the last few weeks, they stuck with him. They fed in the ball. They went first down, second down, or they went second down, third down. Like there was some consecutive running plays. And I thought, I thought Phil Haynes played well again. I thought Gabe Jackson played well. I don't know about Ethan Posick. I didn't see, I still don't care. Like, Still don't want Ethan Posick as my center, but he's been awesome. He had he as a run blocker. As a run at, blocker. At everything. He's been good. I'm not gonna get into he, that because <laughs> we're sitting here. People in the chat are talking about franchising Penny, but we're scared to give Posick <laughs> credit. Like, come on, like Fair we're in the Bizarro world now. So no, I have 100 percent seen franchise tag Rashad Penny takes out there. <laughs> Do this is 100% a thing. People are asking about this. No. Okay. The, the me, tag. Absolute no. Is there anyone on this on this group that says, we, yeah, we, we Okay, but even, even aside from that, Jeff just compared him. To, it said he looked like Adrian Peterson. All I'm saying is, if we're going to give that kind of praise and we're going to reevaluate priors on Penny, we can reevaluate priors on Posick too. That's all I want. I just want some credit there, too, because Posick's played really well, really well. He has played well. He's played well. The franchise tag is $12.5 million, 2022. Per running back? No way. Yes, it is. Per over-the-cap draft. I'm not saying you're wrong about the franchise tag, but, like, is anybody, like, what's the maximum you would pay Rashad Penny per year? Let's say maximum guaranteed. What's the maximum guaranteed money you would give Rashad Penny? Like, over, like, a, like, what, two, three-year deal? Yeah, it could be a multi-year deal, you know, what... I'd give him like two years, eight million guaranteed. That's the maximum you would go. I think so. I'd be a little lower than that. Jeff? Yeah, I'm about where Evan is. I mean, it's like money's money. Just burn that shit. We're paying Jason Myers like five million dollars next year. Know, cut Jason so Myers. It's like it's and like give him that money. I don't know. Like fucking burn it. Yeah. I've been so talk about reevaluating takes. I've been very upfront on saying, yep, even when Penny was playing well, no, you do not resign him. This is a classic mistake. Guy shows up the last part of his contract. He's been injured the whole time. He plays a position where injuries are like super common. And in fact, he's been injured during this run. He was injured today, like I think multiple times, but he managed to play through it. That might be part of it. Who knows? But there's no way you can watch what he's done and say, nope, they shouldn't even consider bringing him back. Like, I think that's just. So that's they're, they're really paying fun. Chris Carson $5 million next year. And he has a cap of about 6.5. Would you be comfortable allocating about 10 to $11 million towards the running back position next year? Can Carson you don't be- think Carson will get cut? I think okay. Carson's going to get cut. I don't know. They have some kind know. of option on his deal, right? Yeah, there was. I think there was set up for a potential cut after one year. I mean, they definitely can cut him. 
I think they'll cut him personally. Yeah, that, that's my expectation, Jeff. They would save 3.5 by cutting him. I just don't think his body just hasn't held up. Mm-hmm. And he might he might retire. We don't know that he's even. Yeah, like really since 2018, like he just hasn't been able to hold up. Um, that's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> there's still we still have not, not heard from uh, the Seahawks so far. I think there's still the lab, the locker room still celebrating. Um, for what it's worth. I mean, it, if Chris Carson decides to return in 2022 and you don't cut him. Who's your lead back? Do you go with a lead back or do you just timeshare it? I'm sure. It. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you still don't know that Penny can make it through a full year. So I wouldn't put any extra wear on him. Yeah. Let's dream for a second. I mean, if let's say you re-sign Penny for a deal, let's say that we're comfortable with. Unlikely, but let's say, let's say that happens. And then let's say he plays like this, not necessarily getting 170 yards a game, but he plays at this level. How fun would that be? <laughs> like, Can I just say there's going to be a lot of people buying Rashad Penny jerseys, and I would like to tell you about this market inefficiency in youth XLs. Oh so you should purchase a youth XL jersey because they're $25 cheaper, and it's the same as an adult large. Do it immediately. Do you still have your Penny jersey? Fuck yeah, I do. Somewhere. I want to see it. I want it's to see a, it Wednesday. It better show up Wednesday. It's a little dusty, but it, yeah. like, it's it's there. You better find that shit, Jeff. Um, sorry, I keep forgetting because you're you're uh, on on the on the phone. But um, where like where do you compare Rashad Penny to previous backs that the Seahawks have had? This version of Rashad Penny, like. Is there anyone that he reminds you of in terms of, of uh, previous Seahawks players? Not really. Like, I heard people on 710 this week trying to make a comparison to Sean Alexander. I don't particularly see that. I don't know about you, Brian. He just no. is so explosive on his first cut that I can't think of a comparison for him. Because, like, since I've been watching the Seahawks, there's not been a running back like him at all. It's just when he makes that first cut, he's so explosive. And I don't really – can't really remember because we've seen Marshawn and the way they have Mike Davis and Sean Alexander. And I mean, who are the home run – who are the home run threats the Seahawks have had in their time at running back? I mean, Kurt Warner had that yeah. before he got hurt. Yeah, I was um, like – I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Chris Warren was really a home run threat, although he had some big runs. Uh, I think Amon Green was before Mike Holmgren traded him to Green Bay. Um, Ricky Waters wasn't. Sean Alexander was um, in a weird way. He was never the fastest guy, but the guy had some huge runs. Um, and Marshawn Lynch had it at moments, but that was not his game. He was not a explosive play kind of – it wasn't a 30-yard run kind of guy. No. Penny gets the top speed really quickly. Yeah. I can't think of another Seahawks running back I've seen really that does that. Obviously, what Marshawn did was super unique, and he was just a great power runner, and he had the crazy balance that he can bounce her off hits. But Penny's really unique in terms of just that ability to get the top speed. So I really can't think of one right now. Yeah, I'm seeing some Thomas Rawls call-outs in the chat. I think that's 
That's good. Although still don't think Rawls was, I'd have to go back and look at some of his numbers. He had some really, they were very different runners. Yeah, he was, I don't know that he was a home run threat the way I see Penny as a home run threat, but maybe Alexander is the closest that we've really seen. Yeah. Is is that, is that, yeah. They're, they don't run like their, their gait is different. Like, Alexander had that really gliding type, you know, style of running, but just in terms of the, you know, how they hit these holes and they can, they can run away. You know, the crazy thing is like, Penny's not that fast. <laughs> he's, he's a four, four, six guy. Right. And maybe he's improved a little bit on that since his combine, but you know, he's a fast running back, but he's not like Chris Johnson fast. I, people are going to be really mad. This is, <laughs> coming from the offensive line they're playing out of their goddamn minds uh and you know penny has got a good skill set to take advantage of it and penny's doing he's doing things right i mean his best run today was probably that 10 yard run where he like juke sideways and slipped out of a tackle and then Lockett had that nice block on the edge and he got around and got like 10 yards right you look at like the 62 yard run and that was him being fast, which good. He's fast. He can outrun, you know, but like that, that hole was gaping. So I, I don't see Penny as some irreplaceable skill set. I think he's, he's fit this line. And, and I mean, any running back would fit this line really well. Right. But like <laughs> Carson, Carson probably doesn't house that one at the end because he's not as fast as Penny, but like the idea that Penny's doing something that other running backs most other running backs wouldn't do with this type of blocking. I'm not really buying it. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know, Evan. I I, I think that offensive line is playing great. So I, I agree with you there 100%. I think there's something different about a guy that houses the ball. Like, I, there's been open holes before, and we haven't seen guys take it all the way for a touchdown. And and the 62-yard run, I thought was a great example. I mean, the point is that it's – I guess they're working together, right? Like whoever you give credit to, this combination is working really, really well. And I also wonder what this, what you guys think this means about Shane Waldron. Like there is, there, it, like there's a little bit of me that's, and maybe Jeff, you're a better person to ask about this, but if anyone has a point of view, speak up. Shades of like 2002 when like like late in the season when Matt Hasselback started to figure things out and all of a sudden the offense caught fire and I think it saved Holmgren's job uh he lost the GM position but he stayed on as coach and they just kind of like found themselves um at that point do any of you feel like the offense like has turned a corner and that this is a meaningful change versus just who they were playing or do you think you know, like, or do you, you just set it aside is not that big of a deal. Um, I'll take it. Um, I, I think it's a combination of both. I think a Russell's healthy. So that that's made a big difference. B the offensive line, like Nathan said, has come out of his mind and see the running games thing. So one thing to think about though, with, if you remember when, like, the Shanahan system, which is, like, a derivative of what Waldron's running, it's more of the McVeigh offense. When he went to Atlanta, it took basically a full year for the whole thing to click. 
if you remember like Matt Ryan really struggled the first year with Kyle Shanahan and then towards the end of the first year, things sort of clicked. And then he really took it out of the MVP or the second year. Jake Heaps made that same point this week. I think he was on a different podcast and he said he's starting to see signs that Waldron has become a better play caller, but, but that Russell and the players have figured out the system a little better and having the running game, which is the, which is the basis of a lot of the Shanahan McVay system, what it can do for everything else and how it's opened up the deep passing game again, quarterback being healthy. So I do think there is a case. I don't know if it's like the, the Holmgren thing where you saw that six game stretch where they really took off, but the Waldron offense and what they essentially wanted to do with Everett. And, and we haven't really seen Dwayne Eskridge contribute yet, but we saw some good plays from Freddie Swain the last couple of weeks where he was just wide open. That play they ran to him today was pretty cool, but that was I great. Think seeing, yeah. I think they're seeing signs that they finally come together in this offense and we're starting to see what it was intended to be. And, sort of why the fit was there. So I do think it's positive signs. It's only been two games, so I don't want to go crazy. We're two weeks away from that awful, god-awful Bears game. So I'm a little hesitant there, but I, there are signs of that for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's only two games. I mean, the Seahawks have scored 30 or more points in four of their last six. So um, I don't know. Like, I agree. The Bears game, even the Bears game, they scored 24. Um, but the Rams game is when they scored 10. That really sucked. Um, can we talk about the offensive line for a second? So, <laughs> yeah, like, people are pointing out, and I think we've, we've talked about this before, Penny's pop really started when Jake Curran joined the lineup in Houston, right? Right tackle. We've also seen Phil Haynes for two weeks. We've talked about Ethan Posick. Um, we've all said that offensive lines are number one priority going into the offseason. Any of these performances affecting your perspective on who they should keep and who they should go get position-wise going into next season? Nathan, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think the one place where they absolutely have to try to run it back is offensive line. The Dwayne Brown thing makes that tough because you don't know how much he, he wants. And, you know, he's really come down to earth this year. He is not, he's not a great player by any stretch anymore. Right. He, he looks more, you know, good to okay ish. So you'll have to kind of see what he, he ends up wanting and, and how that all works out in free agency. But like the rest of this, I, you know, you can go out and you can try to find some competition for Posick because, you know, for all the same reasons we're talking about with Penny, right? Penny deserves a prove-it deal or would go on a prove-it deal probably because, hey, he, his career has not been that great. Uh, Posick's the same way, but he has played really well. So Curran, Jackson, Lewis, you have Haynes in the mix that could potentially earn a starting spot. You've got Posick. You find another center that, you know, is <laughs> better than Fuller if Posick does get hurt or can't play or isn't, you know, can't keep it up. Uh, you know, I think that's basically it. And then you try to keep Brown or, or figure out the left tackle situation. But other than that, I think this offensive line, I mean, that's been, there, there's been two things that have been really encouraging the last few weeks. One is the offensive line, obviously. Russ's process has been a ton better. He's been getting the ball out quicker. He looks more comfortable. Um, and I think that's a lot of why the Shane Waldron appreciation has increased lately. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, those are the two things. So I, I would keep this offensive line intact as much as possible. Really? So just keep running back. Is that where you are, Evan? Like no changes, just keep this offensive line as it is. I think the tackle position is what makes me most um, open to change, especially right tackle. I don't think Nathan mentioned that. Uh, Brandon Shell is a is a free agent this year. Um, I'm not sure you have to bring him back. Um, six to eight weeks ago, my answer would have been very different, actually. But with uh, is it Curhan or Curham? <laughs> we don't know. We don't. I, know. Call, I call him Curran. So who knows? Jake at right tackle. Jake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a young dude, right? Like he was a undrafted free agent. Is that right? Yes. Yep. California. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you need to bring back Brandon shell. And I think maybe you roll out Jake at right tackle and I don't know. Um, center is another position that obviously I think I see, I'm not buying the Ethan Posick hype at all. Uh, we know who he is. I am, I am not being uh, deliberately misled by him. I refuse to be. I do not think he's the long-term solution at center. They need to bring in somebody at center. Left tackle is a tough one just because of the reasons that Brian mentioned. You don't know what he's going to want cost-wise, blah, blah, blah. But you do have to start thinking about his successor, whether you're keeping Russell or not. I'm seeing some people say it, it is Curhan. Um, so we'll, we'll find out, but, um, Jeff, how about you offensive line? Who are you keeping, who you're getting rid of? Um, I think I would definitely not sign Brandon shell at this point. Agreed. And I, I think I saw, I saw Evan post about the other day and I want you to sign a really stud one top end one, but I think Curran is proving that you can have him at a vet minimum. I don't think paying like a mid-levels contract, the shell makes sense. I'm fine if you bring back Posick as like a, a hedge again. I think I think you'll probably get him the same contract as last year. And hopefully you can try to upgrade. I think I think both guards are back, but I think you have to sign Dwayne Brown if this is a big if, if you're running back Russell. I think if Russell's back. You need to sign Dwayne Brown. I don't see without a first round pick how you can get a left tackle that's better than Dwayne Brown. I think it would be a huge mistake to kind of try to risk that in free agency or risk that in the draft. But like, yeah, I think the whole thing comes down to that Russell thing. And that's that obviously dictates a lot of decisions. But so I would be looking to upgrade at center. I'd be looking to bring back the three guards. And you said Haynes is a free agent, right? He's a restricted free agent. So, yeah. So, if you, you have Haynes, Lewis, and Jackson back at guard, that's a pretty good start. Yeah. First player that Pete Carroll calls out in his, pre, in his post-game press conference right now, Jake from State Farm, right at right tackle. He is just raving about him, apparently. Really? Yep. Like right now. That's awesome. I mean, um, of course, if we were listening, we could hear how he pronounced his name, but we weren't. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm I, Jeff. I think I'm right there with you. I, I think you got to bring. I, I think Dwayne Brown. I think you got to let Brandon Shaw go. It doesn't make sense to spend money there. I do think you need to bring in some competition at right tackle. Um, I don't think you can just hand the job to Curran, Curran and, and expect it to work. Um, I don't think he's been that good. <laughs> I think he's definitely been good enough to be in the competition. 
but I'd want them to have another right tackle competing. Um, and it doesn't seem like Stone Forsyth is a guy that they would consider for that role, but who knows? So Quadre um, Diggs has dislocated his right ankle. Tyler Lockett is staying back in Arizona until he can return to Seattle with him. Okay. Well, that could be okay, depending on, um, I don't know. I don't know anything about medical stuff, but based off past history, like the fact that it's, um, it's really going to matter how many ligaments got torn. That's what's going to determine how serious it is. Bad news. Also broke his tibia. Yeah, but the break, the breaks are not the bad things. Like the breaks heal up in like eight weeks, you know, like that's, that's not the major thing. It's, it's the ligaments. If, if he managed to get out of this without tearing ligaments, he could still get a good fat free agent deal. I mean, Update. you never know though, like these leg things are broken legs are wild, right? You could have Casey Williams or Adams or Alex Smith's type recoveries too. So just... yeah. So it's actually his fibula just so people don't spread that incorrectly. Oh, that's, that's the big one. So that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm still going to remain hopeful until I, I have confirmation that it's, it's not a reason to be. Yeah. There's really um, just no reason to speculate on it because it could be something where there's a little ligament damage and it's a clean break and he's back and everything's great. Or, you know, there are those kind of wild disaster scenarios that are possible too. So who knows? I don't know how Pete is saying this, but he's saying he'll be ready to play by camp. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know how this I don't know I don't know that's what Pete Carroll is saying oh hopefully God. you have more information than we do at this point so <laughs> that is such a Pete thing I love it um well let's talk about quantity for just a second like let's say let's say that the prognosis is he'll, he'll be back by camp do you sign Quandre Diggs I'll start I say yes. And I say you sign him to a one-year deal because that's all he should sign right now for his sake. He's going to need a prove-it deal after the injury. Um, and I think he's good enough that it's worth doing. If, if it looks like he'll be back to play next season. Nathan? I absolutely want to bring him back. I'd, I'd pay, uh, I don't know, 13 or so million, I think is probably fair for him. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time that you know we they get into free agency discussions too, they should have a lot more information on how his recovery is going and all the damage there. So um, I wouldn't just you know limit it to a one year deal right now. I mean that may be what what it works out to, but um, yeah, I mean assuming that things look good on the on the recovery aspect, you know I wouldn't shy away from you know giving him a two or three year deal, something like thirteen uh, you know per year. Uh, how it works <laughs> out. <laughs> there are some people not not uh not loving your reporting there uh, I, I saw I that comment in, <laughs> in, in fairness to me in fairness to me i read a deleted tweet by a reporter who tweeted that i will not name them because they deleted it so it's all cool but it was the fibula <laughs> okay um I, I, it's interesting evan nathan or evan uh jeff would you sign digs uh for more than a year um with this injury that just happened. Yeah, I'd be comfortable. I, I don't think this is going to be, I mean, again, not a medical doctor, but I don't think this is an injury that like completely ruins his career or anything like that. Um, I would totally give him like a three year, $39 million deal, 20 something guaranteed. Yeah. Um, he's worth that to me. No questions asked. Interesting. Jeff, how about you? 
Yeah, about the same numbers. Um, you saw his impact just in terms of what he brings, just not only from just a talent's perspective, but like just you seeing the reaction of the other players when that happened. I think you see what he means to the team and what he means to the defense. And assuming that his injury, they'll know a lot more. And frankly, we've seen how they've tried to replace free safeties before. And we saw two years of Tedrick Thompson. And I don't know if John and Pete will be back at this point. Um, I don't know who will be making the drafting pick. And, but yeah, I think I'd be very comfortable. A three-year deal. He's only what, 29, Brian, you had him as? Yes. So he'll be 31 to 32 by the end of it. I think that's right in a good range. I hate the idea. That comes back to the Jamal thing. It's for another day. I, I don't like dumping that much money in the safety position. I would love to put that in getting another pass rusher in, but if Bobby's not here, I think you can sign Quandre Diggs. I love this uh, This in the uh, chat from Dave Markow. I've wanted Pete fired for the past three years. At this point, run it the fuck back. <laughs> like, what's your gut strong. feel now? That's strong. What's that? Like, what's your gut feel now? Mine personally? Yeah. I, I'll tell you, the, the report this morning left me really wondering. Um, That's why I'm asking. <laughs> it left me really wondering. And it, yeah, I, I watched that whole game thinking it was Pete's last game. That was my, that was my take. But it is, if you look at that game and you look at some of what's happened, winning four of the last six, um, you look at how Russ has started to come around, how the offense has started to come together, how the defense played even without some of their best players. You started to see what it can look like if you have a pass rush. You beat a good team. Man, he was it's a tough it. call. Like, I guess my gut is I think they're going to – I think they're going to fire him. That's still – I think that's my gut right now. You really he, think so? Pete yeah. just was asked this in the uh, press conference, and he said, nope, I'm in great shape. They said, any concern <laughs> you won't be back? And he said, no, I'm in great shape. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't believe Pete, but, yeah, you know, we'll see. It's not his choice to decide whether he's in great shape. Let's put it that way. Pete is basically high right now. I think you ask him anything. And yeah, he, he, if you ask him when COVID will end, he will say in an hour. Like right now, the most po positive possible like viewpoint is Pete's at all times right now. When Pete enters private mode in his browser, does it go directly to Rashad Penny highlights? Uh, no, no onlyfans.com slash Dekalen Metcalf. No, that's yours, dude. Uh, that's, oh, yeah, oh that's yes. Yours. Sorry, I'm looking at my bookmarks right now. <laughs> I apologize. I mean, I, uh, I feel like, to your point, Nathan, this, this is like Pete's ideal to see a running game like this. I mean, he has to have his chest so far puffed out right now. Oh, you should see the quotes coming out of the press conference right now about running the football. I will literally read them. Seahawks won four of the last six, you know, to finish the season. The key, Carroll doesn't hesitate. He yells out, running the football. You don't win games throwing for 400 yards. He said that? Yes. <laughs> no, he didn't. He's trolling yes, he that all out of Seahawks oh, fans. I mean, unless uh, uh, Greg Bell is lying, which 
don't know, maybe. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, no, sorry. Okay, it's not quite that. You don't have to throw for 400 yards to win games. Oh. That's not so trolly. Okay, okay, okay. that's fine. Come on, that's not so fun. God, the two of you are, like, officially not reporters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about um, you? So, I don't know. Like, where are you guys? Do you think, like, I thought that, I thought that report was pretty if they if there was people saying that they're not sure and there's that much there's been a few different people saying it and that Russ is safe it just felt like i don't know ownership could have could have made that more clear if they wanted to i don't know that's kind of where i'm at brian is like jody allen could could come out and say something yeah right couldn't couldn't she be like just some lukewarm statement and just you know, I support these guys, blah, blah, blah. We've got the right leadership in place. The fact that there's like a little bit left up to mystery right now, I think is notable. I don't think it, you know, declares certainly that a change is going to be made, but. I mean, Pete said that there's going to be a normal postseason check-in with Jody Allen. Does anyone remember last year when Pete said that Brian uh, Schottenheimer was fine, and then two days later, after he had his postseason meeting with him, fired him. Like totally. a weird press release, yeah. <sighs> and that's sort of what the Garofalo report indicated, right? They said that he's not going to get fired because they lost this year. He's going to get – might be like a mutual parting because they don't just agree on how to move forward in terms of the team. So it could be like, Pete, you need to do this, and – but it's it's so odd. So so if you had to guess right now, because we could find out tomorrow. Yeah. I want to guess from each one of you. What's your prediction? Are we going to hear that Pete Carroll has been fired? Yes or no? Not Jeff. tomorrow. Oh, sorry. Well, this week. Okay. Um, I went into today. I read a report last night from Tony Pauline and. It said that it was 50-50, Pete was coming back, and then UCLA was preparing to make an offer to him. Then the Garofalo report came out this morning. There was like, wait, you contract comes off or something. And then the report comes out this morning. So three hours ago, I would have had 100% that Pete isn't coming back. I worry that they're going to put too much into that game. I'm just back. I would not bring him back. Okay, Jeff, you're breaking up a little bit. I think we heard you say that you think that they're going to bring him back, but you would not bring him back. Um, Nathan. Uh, yeah, I think he's coming back. I think I think they all come back. Okay. Evan. I think Pete is gone. Okay. Yeah, the two things for me that really like started to feel like meaningful breadcrumbs and not just bullshit was – one, the report that Dan Quinn has already been identified as, as a potential replacement. And I believe that report is credible. And then following that up with Mike Garofalo, who's one of the, who's a friend of the show, been on the show. Uh, I think one of the best reporters out there and very connected with Seahawks news, uh, insider news, saying that it hasn't been decided about Pete and more negative and positive it sounded like ownership's making the moves to move on. And so 
why think, now why now is this what i like as someone who has argued that they should move on for pete for a yeah, long time yeah i don't quite get it that's gonna be the conversation i i'll, I'll make my best guess it could be that i mean what people don't understand sometimes is ownership and head coaches and like they don't always get along so well and there can be power struggles for long periods of time holmgren certainly did not get along with ownership at all. That was a very contentious relationship. For all we know, maybe Burt Cold and Jody Allen aren't huge Pete Carroll fans, and they kind of grudgingly gave him that, that extension last year, and now they have the evidence they need from a losing season to move on. Like, it could be that simple. It could also be that they really saw enough earlier in the season where they had made up their minds. And a way a lot of these things work is – they're not making the decision just by themselves. They have consultants that they pay to evaluate the team, evaluate the coaches, evaluate the roster and report to them. So they're getting an independent perspective on it, not just from the coaching staff, who's obviously going to tell them everything's great. And they might've already been down that road and then started to look for coaches like Dan Quinn. So like, that's what started getting in my head. Like they, that, that train's already moving. And so well, I have a yeah. I have a hot take on this that I know you're going to disagree with at least part of it. Okay. I think John and Russ have turned on Pete. Ooh, I like oh, that. Yeah. Ooh, here cuz here's the thing. If either of them went to bat for him, he wouldn't be gone. I I if especially like if John, right? If John was like, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to replace Pete. I don't want a new coach. This is my guy. Right. Or if Russ is like, no, I, I, I want to stay here. I want to keep going with Pete. I, th- I don't imagine that they'd fire him. Right. I have a slight chub. Keep going. No, I mean, that's just kind of it. I, I don't have. <laughs> uh, um, but right. I mean, like if these if 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 both of them for sure, but even if either one were going to go to bat for Pete. Don't you think that it would just be a done deal that Pete would come back? I don't think John, I, I think you're giving John too much pull sway. I, you don't think that he has like, if John, like, if they're like, John, you're good. We're keeping you. You're, you're our guy. You're going to, you're going to make the draft picks and you're, you know, trade them all away for mediocre safeties or whatever it is. Right. Like you, you don't think he can, but they're like, but Hey, you're going to have to hire a new coach. You don't think he's got any kind of opportunity there to, to be like but i don't i don't want to hire <laughs> it would be hilarious coach. if they fired pete and gave john control to hire coaches and john went around and hired pete <laughs> <laughs> no I, I honestly i don't i don't i i, I knew you would disagree on the john part so I, that doesn't surprise me but like isn't he yeah. even wilder that like the name that's been floated is dan quinn like what if Pete, but make him bald and with a goatee? Like, that's just like, like, what is like, that's the, that's the super strength. Like, it's not like, but you know, the, the Kellen Moore thing, disciple. which I don't love, but yeah, go ahead. Dan Quinn's not a Pete Carroll disciple. He predates Pete Carroll. I know. I know. But still. Yeah. I don't know. Evan, have you, have you calmed down enough to comment? <laughs> on what, on what specific part? What was the question? Jeff. What about you? <laughs> What are your thoughts on what Nathan said? I was wondering the same thing. Uh, based on like certain reporters that John has been close with over the years, have in recent articles, 
I wondered the same thing. To the original question of why now in terms of Pete, my first thought was they're just doing everything they can to keep Russell because I think the report that they came out today was pretty clear that they want to keep Russell and Russell. Because if you look around the league and you saw all the crap quarterbacks today, I don't think what Nathan's saying is so crazy. I, I think that's definitely possible. Yeah. I, I mean, as you guys are talking about it, it makes a little bit more sense as I'm thinking through it. Like, may, I, it just doesn't seem like something John would do. That's not who I think he is. But um, if he's been frustrated by things that, like, maybe last year he was like, we absolutely should take this deal to trade Russ. This is the year to do it. Like, maybe that was the last straw for him. Maybe there have been other moves like that. Maybe the Jamal Adams things was shoved down his throat. I don't believe any of that, to be totally honest, but it's possible. Uh, you know, maybe. Rashad um, Penny, I would love to be here. This is my home. Why wouldn't I come back? I want to be here. Of course he wants to run behind that line. Who wouldn't? Adrian is so pissed right now. <laughs> I thought we were going to hear more about Evan's... Uh, state of arousal so I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen i'm restraining myself <laughs> um jordan brooks sets the franchise record ties the franchise record for tackles in a game 20 i think he like ended up lead did he end up leading the league in tackles do we know like he was third coming in um oh, he might have yeah what do we think of jordan it, what do we think of Jordan Brooks? Like, this is his second year, right? Yeah. Where are you guys on him? I mean, for me, he just needs to... He's pretty mistake-prone still. There, yeah. there, are, there are moments. Um you know, that, that pass today to, to Christian Kirk is really interesting because on the one hand, like, I don't know how you cover it better from his perspective, but it's also weird that that's like the third or fourth time that, that we've seen that exact pass, right? Like, I think Rogers dropped one in. It's happened at least once or twice more. So, you know, I think that there's some questions about him in coverage still. There's, and I think Pete said this too. Didn't he have some comment about how where they were talking about on the broadcast, right? That like Brooks is like out of this world athletically and there's just some stuff he needs to like figure out coverage wise. I mean, I think he's mostly good there. So, you know, I think he's overall like a, definitely a positive player right now, but in terms of like, you know, what can his ceiling be? I, you know, there's, there's Bobby esque type ceiling there, but you know, he's got to iron out a lot of some ugly mistakes, right? Like even if you don't really, you know, knock him too much for that one pass to Kirk, which I really wouldn't, but you know, then he has the missed tackle uh, later in that game, which is just, you know, bad. So he's he's pretty boomer bust right now, but hopefully with time that, that evens out and he can really, you know, I mean, he, he can potentially challenge for all pros, especially, you know, if he leads the league in tackles this year, that sets him up just from a recognition point uh, point to do that. He did, he did break the team record with 183 tackles this year um, in his second year. I mean, that's freaking, that's impressive. Um, Jeff, did you have any thoughts? I thought I heard you jump in there. No, I thought that was really well said. I think we're see we see signs of a really good player. 
And I think their play that Nathan pointed out around the goal line, where he just, that's just not good enough. And every time I think, like, okay, he takes a step back either in coverage. I think there was a lot of positives overall this year. The last few weeks, he's been a little better. But to say, like, I know, Brian, I saw you call him like an A minus draft grade. I think that was a little high for where I've seen so far. But there's certainly some the next level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I see a guy at the end of the first round who's playing like a guy that is on a trajectory to be at least a Pro Bowl player. Like, I don't think that's a stretch at all to assume that he's going to be a pro bowler um, maybe this year, but probably not. Uh, did they already announce pro bowl? <laughs> they probably did. I haven't been paying attention, but he's, he's right on the cusp. So um, yeah. Um, and all of us were asking for uh, Patrick uh, queen. queen, right? So uh, all right. I know, folks, some of you have to drop off. I mean, honestly, I could just keep talking because it's it's our last postseason show of the year. That was a lot of fun. Um, kudos to the defense because, you know, you know, I have to give credit to defense. They end up giving, I think, 16 points up to this offense um, uh, over the course of the game. Uh, a couple long drives, but given all the injuries they had, I was impressed. I thought Cody Barton played OK. I don't think he played great, but I think he played well. Um, I still would want to see them add more linebacker next year to the pile. Um, I thought Daryl Taylor had a nice game and a nice finish to his season, his essentially his rookie season. Puna had two two sacks. No Al Woods today. I thought he and Brian Monet did well up the middle. Um, Carlos Dunlap got two more sacks. The guy's got seven sacks in the last like four or five games. He's coming back next year, at least from a contract perspective. Um, he talked this week on one of the radio shows sounding like he wasn't like this was his last game. Um, he let it slip a little bit. I don't know if that was real, but I don't know about you guys, but if he's already under contract, I think he can be part of a pass rush rotation still. Um, I think there's evidence to, to say that he, he still could do that. Um, but man, you could just have a pass rush, pass rush in a running game and a quarterback just playing like himself doesn't play better than himself just playing like himself um and an offensive line that's that's blocking well um yeah that's fun it's a nice thing to kind of go into the off season and it's just weird I, I guess i'll say this and if you guys have anything else you want to say feel free but i feel like the constant refrain for the past few years for me personally has been i get excited about what the seahawks can be and then the season starts and they're not that, or they're different. Last year, offensively, they certainly started off amazingly, but they just don't seem to be the team that I expected them to be. And then, you know, I start to get some hope and then the season starts again. And so it's just an endless cycle of like, hope that they can actually be like, take that next step and then constantly see them not take that step. And so I'm a little concerned that maybe I'm falling for something, but there's something about the end of this season that feels different. I guess maybe like the last few seasons have all ended with losses and they've all ended with disappointment. I think my disappointment was very early in this year and I've just been disappointed the whole way. 
And then at the very end, they started to actually improve and show signs of things that looked repeatable. And so, I don't know. Well, obviously, I always sleep on these things. We'll have a lot more to talk about. We have Wednesday podcast. We're going to have, hopefully, Stacey Joe Rost. Rost, excuse me. Stacey Rost will join us Wednesday if I can uh, work that out with her. And uh, we'll have a lot to talk about, I think. So uh, before I wrap up, anything else from you, Nathan? Closing thoughts. Uh, uh, no, I don't. Uh, I, I, I have. I'm really excited to see what the next few days and the next few weeks bring this team. Um, it is hard to, to walk away from these last couple games and not have hope that they can break out of this, you know, first round exit morass. Um, a lot of that hope is built on, you know, having a running game that outperforms Aaron Rodgers, which I don't know if that is sustainable or not, <laughs> uh, but we're dumb fans. And so it, it's, it's hope nonetheless. And, and that's nice. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since we had something kind of different to talk about and it feels different right now. And, you know, the wins and everything, it feels pretty good right now. So, um, yeah, it was a really nice way to end the year. Jeff, any last thoughts? Yeah, my, my thought really just goes back to something Nathan said earlier in the show. Um, it was just nice to see fun football again because really this season was just pretty tough. And I can't remember any year of Seahawks football since I've been watching. We've been really other than the Jim Morris season where I just dreaded watching them play. And I, I wouldn't even put them on like the main screen. of I usually watch the three screens and sometimes they'd be on my second screen. And that's just so abnormal for me. So whether it was just Rashad Penny or Russell getting healthy, I just really enjoyed watching them these last couple of weeks. Again, to me, that was inspiring. Um, I've, I was kind of towing the line this year. on like, do you keep Russ? Like, is he, and seeing him the last two weeks, I've come kind of come back to him and maybe I was jumping the gun on that. Just again, watching so many other Baker Mayfield style situations and digging a little into the draft. I think they need to figure out how to move forward with Russell. And if that's moving on from Pete, I'm fully on board with that because of just how important that position is. And I don't think we're as far away as maybe what we talked about those last few weeks where you get this pass rush going, you bring back the offensive line, you get a quarterback going. I think they can be pretty good. So maybe I'm overreacting to the end of the year, but uh, I think a lot of the pieces are there that they can kind of get hit the ground running. So Again, I just looked, uh, the Seahawks are going to end up giving away the 10th pick. doesn't feel as bad as a top five pick where I was looking at a couple weeks ago. still sucks. That trade was a disaster in every possible way. Uh, Jamal's been hurt both years, and really we've been fine without him. So everyone who called that trade bad, pat yourselves on the back. You were right. Um, but, yeah, again, overall, it was just nice to have something fun again and get excited about the team again today's game was awesome last week and like there was just like a month ago i hated watching the seahawks play like that rams game and so hopefully this can roll over i'm hoping like nathan said we see some some interesting news the next couple days and nothing gets me more excited than the offseason if you have someone different either doing your drafts or making coaching changes so uh, hopefully we can get something to kind of fire us all up going through these next few months Hey, real quick, do you guys random random trivia completely changing the topic? Do you guys know how many yards Tyler Lockett ended the year with receiving yards? It was over a thousand. I know that probably like 
twelve hundred or something. It was it was a one thousand one hundred and seventy five, almost twelve hundred yards. Did did you guys realize that going into this game? Mm-hmm. I only did because I I was shocked when I heard a few games ago they went over a thousand yards. I was like, what? But yeah, yeah, that that came out of nowhere for me. Like I would have guessed, he, I I would not have thought he had a thousand yards this year. And for him to you know almost hit twelve hundred is insane. I, I I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention or what. Well, but like, think about you know, lost year, man. Well, hold on, guys. Uh, Florio just traded that signs point to a return for Carol and Schneider. So here's oh. the other thing that I wonder about this game. I know that we're trying to like in, but no, I, I, I could go on. So I'm just being thoughtful for you guys. Pete's attitude today makes me think that he was told if he wins, he comes back, which is just the dumbest way to run a team. And like, I, I would be very critical of Allen if, if that was the case, but the way that they talked about this being their Super Bowl and the way that they like just, partied in the locker room for like an hour or whatever uh and the way that he was so confident saying that he was good coming back there's part of me that thinks that he was told you know hey you win you come back you lose you go home that would be so stupid if they it would be so stupid everything i just said about hope going into the offseason would instantly come crashing down i mean if they said you're fine don't worry about it that'd be fine with if they said win and you're in, like, that would be stupid. Um, or maybe it's that. Maybe he did get the reassurance, like, yeah. this Apparently week or Pete something like that. $15 million a year. His new contract. It's not surprising. I mean, that's why I kept saying, people, like, they just signed him an extension last year. You want – owners don't want to pay $50 million to somebody to not work for them. So the, the bio would be $60 million for Pete. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. Even for a billionaire. That's basically the basis of Florio's point here. I don't know if there's – yeah, that that sounds like I wouldn't put too much into that tweet. No. That's just reading between the lines. But um, I I I just want to concur with what you guys are saying. It was fun. It was fun. That's really what it is. It was fun, and it's been so far from fun for for a lot of this year and for part of last year. Um, there's some folks in the chat saying we should all we all owe a huge apology to Russ. I, I don't know if that's true. If anything, I thought like. This is a perfect example of a game where Russ had some great plays and Russ almost cost the team the game. Like he made some really, really bad plays, but they had a good enough team effort that they won and it felt great. Like he didn't have to do everything. He didn't have to be Superman for them to win this game. That's I think part of what's cool. Like Russ can be Superman, but if you surround him with, I'm not a a comic book guy, but if you surround him with, what is it? The, uh, What's Superman's uh, group? It's not the Avengers. They have something else, right? We'll go with the Avengers because they're better. Yeah. Okay. So, right. I think I think if you have a, a cast that can actually excel around him, then it just makes him that much more dangerous. And so, um, or dangerous, as people will say. So, so that made this. Uh, sorry, I know. Again, yeah. we're trying to end, and I'm just. No, no, I, I, I have rants now. All of a sudden, but like, go, go, go. That was one of the things that made this year so fucking miserable for me is that everybody just retreated. And I, again, I, I have been on an, ex- I, I was an extreme for a long time. And then like, I, I was one of the children of the revolution that got 
that got eaten by the revolution or whatever because it just felt like people went to like fucking ridiculous extremes like nobody owes russ an apology he played like ass for like five weeks he rushed himself back from an injury that he has later on admitted that he wasn't right from so no no one owes russ an, any apology and like i don't know they're just the this year went to shit and everybody went insane trying to like not just confirm their priors but like take their priors to new levels for some reason yeah and it was it was ridiculous like there there was great there was very valid criticism of pete of ken norton jr of shane waldron of russ of whoever you want to like this team did not win seven games because they were secretly great like they have that in them and they have showed that the last couple weeks but this i don't know uh, I, I've found people and their takes extremely miserable this season because people are trying to like get extra loud to cover. It's okay. You can say that Russ was asked for like seven weeks this year. Cause he was, and now he's not like, it's just like, I don't know. We don't have to do some of this extreme takery that's been happening this year. I, I love that. And the only thing I'd add is I think that if there's anyone that owes Russ an apology, it's people that said that they thought he was washed. That like, you know, he's showing signs that he's just not going to be able to play anymore. I don't think any of us ever said that. I think we talked about him losing his athleticism and that impact on his ability to scramble and how it's going to make him be as a quarterback might be less than what he's been. But I don't think any of us said like, in fact, I, I know I've come out specifically and said, I don't believe that for a second. I think Russ can be every bit the quarterback um, from a passing perspective that he's been. So, yeah, if you were trying to, to say Russ was done, fine. I think Russ has looked like Russ, you know, and that's that's a good thing. It's also been frustrating at times. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you talked about Tyler Lockett. The other thing I, I meant to say while you're talking about that is DK Metcalf having 12 touchdowns. I mean, DK Metcalf and Tyler and, and Russell had just a talk about a frustrating year that was like way below what it could have been. I feel like if they had, if they had played better together, he could have been pushing 20 touchdowns, like, or at least, you know, 16, 17, he could have had a Cooper cup level touchdown season. Right. Well, like Gino had started the whole year. He might've gotten the 20 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I think DK did not have the year that I think he expected or any of us expected and Russell and him didn't connect. I think they have more in them. Tyler Lockett and Russ still had a really good year. Looks like Tyler's got more in him. So I think that's all, all goodness. I give Freddie Swain some credit. I think the kid ended up with four touchdowns on the year, certainly more than I would have expected him to, to get in, in any given season. And I want to give a shout out to Travis Homer. Like this is a guy who is super like minor in the overall scheme of things. I thought he was a great special teams player. I thought that play he had today, we didn't talk about it at all, but I thought that was an amazing play. One man play uh, almost blocking the punt, tackling, forcing the fumble twice, essentially. Um, I thought he's been good when he's been in there as a running back and you know how hard I've been on him in that situation. I thought he's run hard. He's put on weight and strength and I thought he ran harder and broke more tackles. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought Travis Homer had a decent year. Um, I don't mean that I think he should be a starting back, but I just think there's even Colby Parkinson had a few plays. We're starting to see what might be there. 
Um, Gerald Everett, as many like absolute mind crushing mistakes he made, I think I'd like to see him back. I thought he looked like a, a player that could really help. If he catches that pass, he has to go over 40 points in this game. Like that was an easy catch. Um, so yeah, I thought Sidney Jones again had a decent game today. Um, I thought DJ Reed had a decent game today. I'm scared um, about how much those two are going to get paid. I think Jones, I think Jones will be reasonable because I think that there's probably a relationship there with the team. Um, and, and you know, it, 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 I think coming back here will be safe for him to rebuild his career, continue that. DJ Reed might get just paid. Yeah. He yeah. deserves it. He's played, he's played really well. He's played really well. All right. Going once, going twice. Anything else? Nathan, you've had good additions. Josh Jones is better than Jamal Adams. All right. Bye. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of the last pieces, man. If, if they can find a way to actually get the most out of Jamal Adams, um, they haven't done that yet. And uh, if he had, if he had had like a Rashad Penny, like end of this season, I mean, that would have been, that would have been a huge, huge additional thing to look forward to, but he, he did not. Um, so let's just hope he heals up as well. So both of our safeties, starting safeties can heal up. All right, everybody, uh, your Seattle Seahawks win today, 38 to 30. They finished the season just seven and 10, but uh, they beat the 49ers twice. 49ers are going to lose in the playoffs. The Rams are going to lose in the playoffs. The Cardinals are going to lose in the playoffs. It's going to be great. Um, we'll be there to see it. We will see all of you Wednesday. If you haven't already, please give the show a like. Uh, really appreciate it. It takes just a second. Give the show a rating on iTunes, on, on, on uh, Google Play. Five-star ratings are super appreciated. Um, helps other people find the show. And subscribe to the channel. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. If there's any news in the next few days, you're going to want to have that bell clicked because we will go live immediately for an emergency pod to talk about it. Um, and then go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. The season's over, but the conversation is just getting started. Uh, you get immediate access to our Slack channel where people are talking about the Seahawks 24-7. And uh, the proceeds go to a great cause. So uh, we've given over $200,000 to charity over the years. And it looks like we're going to be able to make another large donation this year, thanks to all of your support. So everybody... Thank you for persevering through what has been the most frustrating season in recent Seahawks history, but one that ended with some real interesting intrigue and mystery. And we're going to learn, we're going to learn a lot together over the next few days and, and weeks. And then the, the postseason will really begin. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see the, the off season, I should say, we'll really begin. We'll see what happens then until Wednesday. Take care.